0: For just a moment, come on, put your hands together and honor God tonight. Amen. You may be seated in the sanctuary. I want to continue a series I've been working on. Uh, This series has been entitled Handling Life's Challenges. I believe this is the third part, Handling Life's Challenges. The series is taken um, from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's read the first few verses together. Would you stand for the reading of this part of the word? Let's read the first three verses together. And again he entered Capernaum, after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic, who was carried by four men. You may accept your seats. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his holy writ. I've been looking at this because I realize that many of us are handling challenges in our life. They're not all the same. All of our challenges are different. Matter of fact, if I were to be completely transparent, I would say to you that challenges are tailor-made, which means that the challenges you're dealing with have been made just for you. I wish I could tell you that God sent them all, and that what you're dealing with is from the Lord, and so you ought to just rejoice. I wish I could tell you that what you're going through is for the glory of God, and so just praise His holy name. I wish I could tell you that what you're dealing with right now is God's divine intent for your life, or God's best plan for your life. The truth would be that that would be false. Some of what we deal with, not necessarily God's plan. Some of the things that we deal with are crops that we've sown, and not things that God wanted to give us. Some of what we deal with are just life's issues that happen just because we live in this natural world. Some of what we deal with are the decisions of other people. Sometimes someone else made a bad choice, and their choice affected our life. Sometimes what we're upset about is not about what we did, it's about what someone else is doing. And so what they're doing has affected how we feel right now. Their activities affect how we feel. Their, Their strange choices keep us up at night and make us pray. Because they decided that they wanted to go hang out when you were trying to tell them how important it was to go to school. Because they decided that they were grown when you were trying to tell them how wonderful they had it trying to be a child. Because that person decided that they wanted to drink and then drive. Because they decided they wanted to light it up or turn it up, as the young people say. Their choices affected your life. It's not something that you wanted. It's not something that you did. Sometimes stuff happens that you have no control over. Some people right now are the most healthy people in the world. I almost could have cried with the young football player last night who gave his testimony and not necessarily testimony but his life story about how he had been playing in the NFL. Long snapper, lived well, ate well, in great physical shape. Got ready to go to the team and the team looked at him to do a, a physical on his body. And When they did a physical on his body they said, no, you're not going anywhere. You're staying right here. Your your heart, your aortic artery is overly enlarged. And if we don't do surgery right now, you're going to die. Good shape, ate well, treated his body right. Tried to do everything he was supposed to do to take care of himself physically and emotionally. And yet, his heart went into a situation that he could not control. Life sometimes does that. You, you can be in the best physical shape and still be going through. I've seen a lot of good-looking corpses in my time. Folk who look like they should be walking. And I've seen some people who really look like they were really two steps from the grave, who lived many years after I saw them. It's amazing. Some stuff we don't have no control over. And some of the challenges that you're facing today are not necessarily physical challenges. Some of them are emotional. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed. If it was one thing, you could handle it. Okay, you got two things. Three things. Okay, maybe four. But right now, it seems like an avalanche. You could throw all the balls up in the air when it was just a few things, but you can't throw them up in the air fast enough because another one is already coming down and about to hit the ground. And those things kind of get us, no matter who you are, they get to you, they get to you, they get to you. If you have children, you know what I mean. If you have people you love, you know what I mean. You have siblings, you understand what I mean. If you have parents who are now aging, you really know what I mean. You, you nothing you could do, but do what you can do. How do we handle life's challenges. Before us today is this paralytic, this man who is going through a whole lot in his life. The Bible describes him as a paralytic. Some texts use the word palsy. He was sick of the palsy. It is an abbreviated way of saying paralytic. It's an abbreviated way of saying that his body at some point and some portions of which were not functional. And those dysfunctional parts of his body precluded him from movement. How much of his body was paralyzed, we're not told. But enough of it that he did not have control over his movement. Enough of it that he could not carry himself. Enough of it that a wheelchair just wouldn't do. They carried him on his pallet. And at which point in time, I think some curious things probably went through his mind. And so tonight, All I want to do in this next few moments with you is I want to talk about this text in somewhat the negative. I hate negative questions, but I want to talk about it in the negative only because I want to talk about what not to do. I'm talking about what not to do. You see, there are four lessons that I can glean from this text of what not to do when you're handling life's challenges. Four things that you shouldn't do. Four things. And I believe these are important. couple may seem redundant, but they are not because they have enough separation that they'll make sense to you. And these all come out of the text. Verse three says clearly, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. We have no words from him. He says nothing. And I wanna start with this one. Don't fault giving your station right now. Don't fault, don't fault, F-A-U-L-T. Don't fault giving your station. What do you mean, Reverend? You know, one of the things that happens whenever we go through something is that we resent it so much that we begin to question why me? And then we start questioning and thinking about whose fault it is that I'm in this situation. It's the question that those men asked of Jesus. Who did sin that this man might be born blind? And sometimes people go through this challenging moment within their own mind and spirit trying to figure out why am I going through this? Why, Why is this happening to me now? Who can I blame? Who's at fault for this right now? I hear people talking all the time, you know, uh, if, if, I, if I had better genes, I wouldn't have this issue. My mama had this, my daddy had that. And some of what you're complaining about did not come as a direct result from them. You think, know, well, my mama had bad knees. Well, you forget to think about the time when you were a kid running around and you bumped that knee and you bang that thing around, and now arthritis has gotten in that knee, had nothing to do with genetics at all. It has to do with physics, human physiology. You bumpeth, it now has a repercussion. Sometimes we want to find fault, and the reason we do that is we've got to find a rationale or a reason for everything. And in some cases, that's important. You know, if you're trying to backtrack a medical issue If you can find out where it started at, sometimes you can really figure out how to get rid of it and how to deal with it better. Sometimes it's it's important to get some information of what took place. But other times we spend too much emotional energy trying to find fault, trying to find blame, trying to find someone to push this off on. I need to give somebody this. I didn't do this. Somebody has to be to blame. And in truth, that's where the spirit of anger ends up coming from. You get angry at your situation and you walk around and you're mad because you're going through it. You're mad because this happened to you. You're mad because you have to deal with it. And what you don't know is that all the while you are pulling in all of the negative energy into your spirit and you're making room for the enemy to trick your mind and to keep your mind bogged down so that you cannot activate your faith. See, as long as you keep looking for fault and blame and you're mad at everybody, you're gonna have a poor attitude. Oh man, you know hospitals talk about patients like that. Patients who always want to blame. The nurse must have gave me the wrong medication. I don't feel good. Well, maybe we just discovered there's something else wrong with you. Maybe we discovered that something didn't go well. Maybe you, you, instead of blaming somebody, maybe you ought to act like you got good sense so somebody want to come in the room and take care of you. You talking junk to everybody. <clears throat> you don't told everybody off in the hospital. People don't want to come in your room. at they at the nursing station, Lord, don't go in the room 205, Jesus. Oh my God, that's a handful. Nurses up there, trying. look here, they're giving each other bribes so, so they don't, look, if you take 205, I take 27, 208, 29, I do three rooms. You just take 205. Because they, your spirit is so negative. Your spirit is so hostile. Your spirit is so aggressive because you have spent your emotional energy trying to find someone to blame for what you're experiencing. And what you don't know, you're projecting that spirit into the earth realm. You're projecting that negativity into your bedroom. You're projecting that negativity upon your doctors. You're projecting upon your nurses. You're projecting upon the social worker. And so when people walk in your room that could possibly help you, that could possibly get you a placement in a place that you want to be at or could possibly make a way for you or maybe even order another test. Nobody wants to be bothered with you to stay another day to take that test, so they send you home. With the thought and prayer, if you have to come back, maybe they won't put you on their floor. Sometimes we're searching, we're searching for fault and blame we end up lashing out at people we love, we blame our spouses, so that you get to the point where, you know, someone says, you know, the drive home is 15 minutes, but it always takes you half hour, hour to get home. Where were you at? I was driving. You done drove all around the block, done went all the way out to the mall, sat in the parking lot a little while, prayed a couple prayers, because you got to get your energy ready to walk in that house. That spirit has become so negative and toxic. Be careful not to spend your energy ascribing fault. Don't fault giving your station. His station was laid down, that's his position. He's laid down. He's paralyzed. Something's wrong. But he's not looking for anybody to blame. He's dealing with what he has to deal with. Number two, don't fret given your senses. Don't fret given your senses. You know, To fret is to express worry. It's to express an annoyance, a discontent. And sometimes we spend a lot of time worrying about stuff we can't do anything about. Hello? We spend a lot of time dealing with annoyances that we can't handle. We can't do nothing about it. So we're going to just waste our energy fretting. You're going to waste your energy just worrying. And some of us right now If we didn't have worrying to do, we wouldn't have nothing to do. We wake up worrying, we go to bed worrying, we worry everybody else around us. And and many times what we're worrying about are things we have no control over and things that are not going to change by the fact that we're worrying. Now I know this sounds strange for me to say this but I'm going to speak it into your mind so that you know. You have control over your thoughts. The Word of God teaches you that. It tells you you need to practice thinking good. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are honest, whatever things are a good report. if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does it say? Think on these things. So I have the power of thinking thoughts that are going to project that which I want in the earth realm. sometimes we're thinking those negative thoughts, man, you know, have you ever got yourself riled up about something you shouldn't be upset about? You see a dog and you don't like dogs and all of a sudden your spirit all riled up, your nerves start going, you get hives, your arms start breaking out you get all scared, and then you find out there's a six-foot fence in between you. You scared yourself for nothing. You walk in the house, it's dark, and oh God, don't let you hear a bump. I remember years ago, before I got married, uh, Brother Jose, uh, Jose Montgomery came up from Alabama to preach for us, so I had him stay with us at the house and say with me rather, at the house at uh, 219 Thames Street. That's where I was living at the time. Nice little two-bedroom house, so my bedroom was his, bedroom next door, and there was a loud thump that night. In the middle of the night, bam! I didn't move. All of a sudden, I heard him, it's <laughs> from the other room, preacher, you, you, you going check on that? It ain't in here. It'll just be going out there. (laughs) I probably didn't move because I realized I had left my golf clubs in the dining room. And they had probably fallen over. I did get up and check and that's what what did happen. But it's amazing. How you can get unnerved by a sound. Get unnerved. Get some water deep. Get unnerved by it. Get unnerved by a sight. Yeah, you, you can see something that reminds you of something. That reminds you of a difficult situation. Unnerved. All of a sudden, you're back in that situation. You're back in that place. You feel it again. You know you're safe, but yet you feel it. You know nothing's gonna happen, but yet you feel it. Why? Because you've allowed yourself to worry over it. What does the word say on this? And I'm glad you asked. Go with me to Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34. Matthew six, 25 through 34. It's in the New King James Bible I'm reading from. Matthew six. 25 through 34, I want to add this word in here. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. It is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your statue? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they neither toil nor splendour spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Look at somebody say, neighbor, yeah, neighbor. Let, your faith grow. let your faith grow. Do not worry, saying, what, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. And here's my verse I just love, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Look at somebody say, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own. Amen. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Listen, let me help somebody here. Uh, the, the, the Jamaicans uh, kind of sing a song, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing going to be alright. Right. Sometimes you just got to put a little Bob Marley on. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I mean, Reverend uh, Bob. (laughs) Yeah, because let me tell you something. There's a time when you need to be concerned, and there's a time when you need not allow the concerns of life to concern you. And worrying is a concern of life that pulls us down. Well, let's go back to our text tonight, verse 4. Listen, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Uh, you know I don't know about you but if you're being toted around and someone decides to tote you up on a roof it might be a time to start getting a little bit concerned might be a time like uh, uh, do y'all know what y'all doing what we doing up here how are we going to get from here to where Jesus is But you know, there's a thing in your heart that has to get to the place where if you're gonna trust God, you gotta trust God. If you're gonna believe, you gotta believe. If you're gonna stretch out, you gotta stretch out. And you can't allow the trick of the enemy to take away your blessing because you're so busy worrying about stuff you can't fix anyway. You can't change it anyway, just hold on. You know, sometimes I think it's um, a part of who we are, that, that there are times in our lives when, when we will realize the depth of what we're going through. I don't know, sometimes you, you know, you know you got bills, but there's nothing like that day when you lay them all out. And you kind of realize how you've really been juggling. And you start saying to yourself, I don't even know how I've been making it. Not only do I not make enough money, I ain't never made enough money. But yet, God's been keeping a roof over your head. He's been feeding you, keeping clothes on your back. So why let the spread of bills now cause you to lose sleep. It didn't last week. So you think of new, uh, some new information is supposed to take away your faith? Oh, you missed what I said. Went over somebody's head. Okay, you didn't know you were sick last week, but you went to the doctor. You got a diagnosis this week. So now all of a sudden you feel sick because he said you were sick. You didn't feel it last week, no new symptoms, nothing has changed, the only thing changed was you got some information. Come on back to church because I'm about to blow your mind. Listen, you have to understand, you now can enter into a phase and a state where worry will make asymptomatic person you into a person full of symptoms you didn't have before you'll feel pain you didn't feel before your head will be hurting it didn't hurt before you'll be upset when you weren't upset before you'll be miserable when you weren't miserable before instead of worrying activate your faith god thank you right now for this information i know how to pray i know what to say i know what to command i know how to plead the blood over it i know where the blood needs to cover in my life i know what you need to do right. now. This information gives me what I need in order to break the barrier that the enemy has put. This hedge of protection around me is getting ready to work like never before because God has surrounded me with divine favor. The devil is alive. The blood of Jesus be against them. I don't care what the doctor said. Here, I won't be the first one that they made mistake on. I won't be the first one they had to change the diagnosis with. I know God can heal yeah. Yeah. and deliver. Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, so don't fret that's not to worry. But similar to not fretting, don't get frustrated given your situation. Don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated given your situation. Uh, Similar to fretting, but to be frustrated when you're going through, I I don't know, um, Drake said it best. I know you don't know the gospel according to Drake, but the young Canadian said, there are times when you can get all in your feelings. Preach Watts. You have to be careful not to get in your feelings. See, to be frustrated is to begin to complain. It's to express dissatisfaction uneasiness. It, it's actually to get to the point where you are there and all you can do is see what's wrong. I don't know about you, but uh, he was in a frustrating situation. Now, you might not see it at first, but I'm going to show you this. Watch this. Look at the text real quick. They drop him in the middle of the room. He right there next to Jesus. J.C., JC looks at him, speaks to him. Everything gonna be all right now. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Wait a minute, let's read the text. Verse six, verse six. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier for me to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed. Wait, hold on. I'm sick. And y'all gonna argue with him while I'm sick? And he just told me that he was about to make me well? I don't know about you, but that can get real frustrating. Uh, Okay. Here you are. You stretched out. And the people standing over you are arguing about your situation. Look, if y'all got something to talk to him about, y'all talk to him after I get up. I, I, um, I was in the hospital one time. I was really sick. And um, I was intubated. I mean, I had a tube down my throat, which I mean I couldn't speak. And there the doctors were talking back and forth about whether to remove the tube or not. Now I'm becoming alert, this tube can come out. Y'all, y'all are talking now and I wanna tell y'all the most frustrating thing in the world is to be six foot four and none of your business. With the power to move a whole lot and not be able to do a thing. I got a piece of paper. My wife's standing right there. She, she does to tell you. I got a piece of paper, and I just wrote on the paper, I need an advocate. I knew it could come out. I need an advocate. I need somebody to intercede on my behalf, let, let me Let me help you right here. What, what he needed right there. I, I don't need y'all getting up there and talking and carrying on. I need an advocate. I need Jesus to intercede on my behalf. I I thought I would just bless somebody's bones right now. Let me tell you something, instead of you getting frustrated about what you're going through, you need to call on the advocate. Uh, you, You need to say, I need an advocate now, God. I can't fix this situation. I'm not in control anymore. I don't have my own personal energy, my own personal power to make this better. But God, I know that you can. I know you've got the oh po- shalom kosata. I know you can fix this right now. And I want to tell you instead of getting frustrated, instead of letting the enemy make you mad and want to cuss somebody out or tell somebody off or get yourself all in a bunch, instead of you losing your mind, instead of you going crazy, instead of you feeling cray-cray, I dare you to pray-pray. I dare you to call on the Lord. I need an advocate. I couldn't speak so I wrote it down. But I'm going to tell you this much, it didn't stop me from praying in my heart. The fact that I couldn't open up my mouth and say anything didn't stop me from praying in my heart. And I do believe that when you pray, God hears your prayers, God knows your tears, God knows your pain, God knows your trial, God knows what you're going through, and there is an advocate. There's a high priest and a chief mediator, and his name is Jesus. Oh glory. I'm going to stop in just a moment. The last one. I said there were four things. And the last one is this. Don't falter given your stricture. The word stricture refers to restrictions. He's in a position where he's paralyzed. He's restricted from movement but jesus says verse 11 i say to you arise take up your bed and go to your house y'all missed it you should have been shouting right there look lord i ain't walked in a long time i don't know what walking even feels like i've been carried so much I've been through so much. I haven't had my feet on the ground. Don't even know what a pair of shoes feel like on the bottom of your feet because I've been laying here so long. My back got sores on it. My legs are tired. They're feeble. They They move. The I God. What do you mean? Get up! But instead, when God spoke it to him, he did not fall. Then what he did was he got up and grabbed his bedroll. The Bible says in verse 12, immediately he arose. I want to tell somebody right now, when God delivers you, don't you keep looking at the situation. Get up, start moving. Say, God, I know you did it. I believe, I may be a little wobbly right now, but I believe I'm healed. Look at somebody now, tell them I'm healed. I'm healed. It is done in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, give him a praise.